Hello and welcome to a special Brainwaves post-UK Games Expo special. Uh, I am here with my usual co-host Jamie Adams and special guest and honorary member of the giant brain round the whole con, Rich Stokes. How are you doing, Rich? I feel much better after 24 hours of sleep. Yeah, slept a bit myself. It's been good. It's been great. Uh, after a weekend of debauchery, beer and games and not very much sleep. Yeah, I mean, the Expo is fantastic, but it is 18 hours on your feet every day. Yeah, it's it's a long time around the con. The, the doors doors open at half nine. They don't close till six-ish or so. And basically you're on their feet all that time playing and, games and seeing stuff. And we've seen and, a lot of things. And, that's, and the doors close only for the trade halls. The open gaming keeps going on till... I think I saw a we, picture of someone gaming till at least three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, the wee small hours those areas keep up until. So we're just going to have a wee chat about what we saw at the con, what we think you should look out for in the future and things that were cool. Any particular highlights for yourself, Jamie? A couple of highlights for me. Um, very quickly, I had a wee hit list of five, six, seven, eight, about nine games I was interested in having a look at. I got to see all of those but three and ended up playing about 14 games. Um, ones that surprised me were uh, a game that we'll probably mention a little bit later. It's a game with the working title of Chapter 2 by a company called yeah. Strudel Games from Vienna. Um, I was nicely surprised by that, partly because, well, there's lots of games being demoed at the expo, and I, I hadn't heard about it. I really enjoyed it, a little two-player dueling game. Apart yeah, from it was that, really, really good. I like that. Sorry. Apart from that, I rather enjoyed Bosk by Floodgate Games. And I also had a lot of fun at Watch the Skies Second Sight, which was a mega game that went on the uh, almost oh, no. Watch the Skies Second Sight, which was a mega game that went on on Sunday from about ten o'clock till half past four or five o'clock. It was bonkers. Can you give us a wee overview of that, Jimmy? What that's about and like your experiences there. Yes, a mega game is the uh, best way to, I would describe it is a combination between a board game, a role-playing game, and a live-action role-play, LARP. In the game, which all takes place in one room, uh, players are members of countries, the, the senior staff. So usually countries will have a head of state, a defense minister, a foreign minister, and a scientific advisor. Some countries have a vice president as well. Um, there are also corporations, usually about three members. Oh yes, and there are also aliens, because it is our world, very shortly in the future, where aliens arrive. What's their mission? Okay, we need to work out what's happening. Uh, and it's very freeform, and yeah, I had a lot of fun. Cool, you're going to be writing something up for the, cat, uh, for the site on that, aren't you? A bit of an overview, a diary of your day. Yes, I did keep a diary of sorts during the day, so that'll be going up. Hopefully very soon, with a lot of my fragmented scribblings and me filling in the gaps where I can. Cool. Uh, what about yourself, Rich? Do you see anything cool, nifty, nice, otherwise? Uh, ooh, yeah, I mean, there was lots. Uh, Expo's a bit like drinking from a fire hose, in that you walk in and there's just everywhere you look, there is some <laughs> of the most amazing... You know, some of the most amazing gaming bling and gaming stuff. There was things that I wasn't aware of. I know I'm a bit behind the curve with this one, but Villagers, which was really good. Uh, yeah. Very compact, elegant design. Nice, I would say, sort of, it's just about almost a midweight euro. It's not quite a, that light. Yeah. Enough fair. depth to be really interesting. Plays with four players in about, I think we managed to play it in about 50 minutes with four players. Yeah. They, they were having right? a, that stall was having a great time. It was mobbed every time mm. I went past. I saw villagers being played everywhere. And Absolutely. yeah, they, they sold out like 
by one o'clock on the Sunday and said they could have sold several hundred more copies. Yeah, easily. yeah. I think I think as as we'd said earlier, you know, just before the expo started, villagers, the Kickstarter uh, backers for villagers all got their games in. So the the Facebook groups were all full of people going, "Look at villagers! Look how pretty this box is! Look yeah. how good this game is!" And I think that word of mouth was infectious. Yeah. Definitely, it's, it's certainly going to have helped. I mean, I, I, from my point of view, it's a game that we, I think we played it last year, and I remember, I remember liking it, but playing yeah. it again this year, it, it was, it's a really, really good game, and it's a good price point as well. And there's no, there's no gimmicks in it. It's just a very straightforward. It's a card game. There's some, pla- there's some uh, cardboard money, and there's no sort of gimmick to it. I think a lot of what we saw, there were a lot of other things that seemed to have a gimmick. This, this didn't, and that was very nice to see. Yeah. Um, other things, flat pack forces. That was very impressive. That's a chap who has the rights to, I think it's one monk printable figures. They're like printable standees that you can buy the PDF for and then um, and then print as many as you want. He's bought the rights to use those in his color, full color printing them onto two millimeter MDF. So you literally, you get a sheet of figures, you pop them out, you pop out the stands and you slot them into the stands and within, you know, Within a minute or two, you've got a, a, a squad of 10 skeletons or whatever. I think the real killer app for that might be if he starts packaging bundles for starter GMs, people just getting into D&D, because I think yeah. that's a huge, potentially that's a huge market. You've got people who want, people who just want to get started with a, with a, you know, a decent selection of goblins and bandits and giants, rats and that sort of stuff. And I think there's definitely a huge, potential huge market for that. Um, just trying to think, there was a, there was a, there was the what was the what was the monkey game with the cube the blocks? I, I had a monkey on the cover and oh take three take team, three team, uh, team, team three team, team three yeah team three yeah that was it because that that was an interesting part definitely a party game but unlike most party games for three players explicitly for three players party games generally tend to be designed for large numbers of people yeah they don't usually work with with small groups but a party game for three people is quite an unusual thing. Yeah, I think they were saying that basically you usually play in teams. Uh, you can play in teams as well, so like 3v3. But yeah, that was cool, and they, they sold out as well. I was hoping to pick up a copy, but by the time I went back to the stand, they were all gone. Aww. Sad times. Yeah, that was yeah. really cool. There's a little video of me playing that with um, Josh and Rich at the press preview. and That was <laughs> that was good fun. Uh, was there anything else you, you saw, Rich, that sparked the imagination? I'm sure I'm going to remember in, in about, probably about 30 seconds after we stopped recording i'll remember what the next what the fourth really awesome thing i saw was well we can go back and forth but i'll go over <laughs> a couple of the, i'll go back and forth i'll go over a couple of things i saw that i really really liked so i um i really liked arcosa that jamie and i played that is from Toonhammer games that's a sort of survival board game with really quite nifty sort of really quirky alien art on it and basically it's sort of a euro kind of style game but building up points by building bases and like sending your your colonists out into the wastelands to meet better colonists to come back and lots of interesting little choice about whether to bother feeding your colonists or not and that kind of thing and just a really cool little sort of hand management system as well. I really quite like that's coming to Kickstarter later in the year. Um, I also I, I played Bosk as well. I wasn't as keen on it as Jamie was. I, I, I thought it was okay. In what I thought it was in what regards, good. Ian? I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good, but just it just didn't really grab me. Like it, it was perfectly fine. Okay. It just didn't didn't grab me. Okay. Well, I I, under, I understand that. Um, oh, um, I realise that I've just mentioned the name of it and the designer, but 
Bosk is um, publisher. Sorry, Bosk is another game that I've added to my collection about trees. The comparisons between Bosk and Photosynthesis are inevitable because they're both area control games about trees. But I find Bosk they're quite different. Slight, yes, just quite different. It is more area control, whereas I find Photosynthesis slightly more abstract. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's that's probably fair. I mean, we tried uh, we tried one of your games that you wanted to be try out, Namiji as well, Jamie, didn't we? And yes, Namiji by Funforge, and uh, it was Anton Bowser game. Yeah, neither of us were particularly hot on that. It just felt a little bit more complicated than Takedo without much sort of benefit to kind it. Kind of, I was kind of a little bit, a little bit disappointed in Namiji. Now, admittedly, it's still in a prototype stage, yeah. allegedly, but it seems to be coming towards the end of the year. It's like Takedo. It's that very aims that very zen, very starched look. Um, the last person at the um, person who is behind gets to take the next move, kind of like that. Um, it's got fishing and sailing instead of walking, which is something I quite. I think it, what I leapt on. Was a game about I found sailing. they. Tr- yes, as as you said, it's a bit more puzzly, potentially a little bit more tactical than Takedo. You've got uh, little paper boats that you need to get rid of as offerings, which kind of is nice but i felt in trying to do more it became less zen yeah which i think was what it takedo was seemed to be kind of going for they also added in a kind of block puzzles for getting more points filling a fishing net and a little push your luck element with um shrimp and crabs in a bag (laughs) if yeah yes thrilling times ian (laughs) Ian, the mental age of 15 uh we shall. Damn right. I'm. I'm gonna see how if they develop it a little bit more. Yeah. But I. It, I left the demo feeling a little bit, a little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, me too. Uh, demo we weren't underwhelmed by though was a uh, letter jam from Czech Games Edition. That's a really cool sort of cooperative word game, and uh, we are being shown that by Paul Grogan, uh, who's a master of the demo, and that was a really, really cool, cool game, really well taught, and yeah, really look out for that one later in the year. Very interesting, sort of cooperative, sort of Hannaby style elements of like guessing words and helping everyone around the table guess words. I'll be doing a bit more of a write up on that, and there's some write up of that in our day two review of the con as well. Uh, we also played Sanctum, which is sort of Diablo like from uh, Czech Games Edition or inspired by a Diablo games, a sort of push your luck game of grabbing monsters from different acts and getting stuff from like stuff falls out of them when you kill them, and you go back to town, get more equipment. Wash, rinse, and repeat because that's Diablo for you. And it, yeah, that game was okay. I, I feel it could have had a bit more spark to it, a little bit more pace to it. Like it was, it was all right. I found it. Some ideas were interesting, but I found it kind of slow. Yeah, and kind of boring to be honest. Yeah, it was. We we played two of three acts, and the guy who was demoing it said to us, "Oh, by the way, there are seven acts in the game, including a boss." Yeah, and not including a boss. Sorry, the act eight is the boss. Yeah, and an act is basically a board, and I in my head just went, "I guess it's going to take what, forever." Really? Yeah, it's going to be long. And even with even with my idea that you add time and a half for the first time ever playing a game, I still find myself checking my watch. You know, a, mm. more than a quarter of the way through the game, and when I'm 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 not getting anything out of this right now yeah that's fair but i was still it was still nice to see it because i could go okay what am i pinning down that i'm not a huge fan of yeah that's entirely fair uh, i also went to paul's lecture uh, lecture seminar is a better word because that's what it was so paul's seminar on demos which was really really good 
And I think Rich, attend you attended Gaz's seminar as well. Our friend Ga Gary Barabank from the Smart Party had a, had a seminar on uh, how to GM at conventions. Yeah, Gaz and Baz did a very, very interesting seminar with Paul Fricker and Dirk the Dice. Uh, yeah, the topic was how to, or tips, top tips for running role-playing games at conventions. Yeah. Um, so they covered things like make sure that you actually understand the system you're running that, and, and that you're comfortable with it. Uh, make sure you've prepared enough of the adventure that you can actually improvise. So you, it's that classic thing in role-playing games of uh, you can you can write a very tightly scripted narrative and the players will ruin it. So the the idea is to be comfortable enough with the events that are you know what's actually going on, what your NPCs are doing, that you can just make sure that no matter what the players do, there's something that they you know there's there are elements of plot that they can interact with no matter what they be. Yeah. Um, a lot of advice for how to deal with troublesome players, various other things. I mean, yeah, really some really solid advice, uh, some really good ideas. Obviously, your mileage may vary. Everybody runs games differently and some people were very successful doing things that are counter to what they said. But I think for people considering running a running a game at a, at a convention, it would have been a really, really helpful, uh, really helpful little bit of information there. If, if, if you mind me adding a little bit of... I don't want to say controversial, but topical note. You know, know that you're going to be GMing for strangers and don't do things that are going to cause massive amounts of controversy. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's, that's probably one of the best, most useful points that they made is that a lot of people are very used to running games, perhaps with their regular, with the same four or five people over yeah. and over who they've been playing, you know, meeting weekly for a year a decade maybe and yeah. you get very familiar with what the expectations and what their boundaries are if you're sitting down at a table and you've got four to six complete strangers you have no idea so err on the side of caution you know make sure that you're not pushing people's buttons and, and if if you're if you think that you, if you're running a game at a convention and you think it might require trigger warnings you probably should just cut that stuff out rather than try and yeah get some kind of edgelord about the whole thing the topic of harassment did come up in the um, in the seminar. Essentially, it's it's an awkward one because obviously, while nobody who is there, nobody who was giving the seminar is is anyone who's ever harassed a, a a player in their in their games. Everybody's now very cognizant that if you 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 are all keeping an eye out for it in the game from other players because it does even happen. You know, it happens between players. You get people saying things like, "Oh well, I'll um, I'll help your character out if you'll come out with a drink for me," or something like that. Um, and that sort of behaviour, really, I think everybody needs to be vigilant to make sure that that kind of unacceptable behaviour is caught and. Uh, dealt with you know you, you don't need to be make a big fuss about that sort of thing just telling someone that they're behaving in an inappropriate manner usually will but you know nip that sort of thing in the bud um, and people can decide whether they feel that they're comfortable continuing with that game if that sort of thing happens but it's definitely something that we all should be more vigilant of if whether you're a player or a or a gm just keep an eye out for that you know any behaviour that makes you feel uncomfortable, or you think might be making someone else feel uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a good topic to cover when you're talking about, yeah, a, a relatively intimate setting around a role-playing game table, and yeah, you just need to be careful of everyone's sort of feelings and around that. Yeah, did they video yeah. that at all? So that uh, do you know if that'll be available later? Was it videoed or recorded in some way or form? 
I think it was recorded at the time. Uh, you'd need to, I think Gaz was saying that, uh, the, the, you know, the actual sound engineers there recorded it because he was thinking of recording it and then he was told he didn't need to. So, um, oh, okay. with any luck, that will be available for people to listen to. Great. I think uh, Paul's one was recorded as well. So that, that was a great breakdown of really? sort of like his his particular demoing style, which is sort of drip feed method. He tries to get people into the game very quickly, just sort of playing with components and messing around with stuff and then sort of teaches stuff as it needs to be as it needs to be explained, not sort of front loading too much. And and certainly our letter jam demo was really good and and the Sanctum demo was pretty good as well. That was so and he teaches his the, the CG demo team how to how to demo like that. And that, that was really quite interesting. So yeah, that was really good. I was going to say, Ian, was there anything... Now you spoke to us. Was there anything that you rather enjoyed from yeah. the expo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mentioned Arcosa recently. That's really good. I'm looking forward to that coming out uh, properly somewhere down the line and uh, maybe get a preview of that done closer to the Kickstarter. Uh, chapter 2 was really good. Probably my game of the con. I really, really liked... Oh, I really, okay. really liked Chapter 2. I'm a, I'm a sucker. Everyone knows I'm a sucker for small box games done really, really well. And this was exactly that. So it's a... It's, as Jamie was alluding to earlier, it's a sort of two-player dueling game, tentative title, Chapter 2, from a new, a new company called Studio Games. So new, I don't think they've even got really a website or any media presence yet. Yeah, so basically, basically what you're doing is at the start of the game, you're drafting from a set of 10 powers, I think, like, and all the all the powers do different things, and then you're forming a deck of suits of those cards. So each suit's got like four twos, three threes, two fours, and a five in it, or something like that, in that in that particular power. You then shuffle those, all those cards together, and you're playing cards out on five battlefields, and basically trying to dominate the battlefield. The sort of neat thing about it is that you're doing very simple things, but there's a lot, a lot there's an awful lot of depth to them. You can, when you're playing cards out, you can play like cards in the same suit or, the, or of the same number, multiple ones at once. Or you can activate cards by playing a card from your hand that's of the suit you want to activate. So like, if you want to play, if you want, if you've got a bunch of magnet cards in play, or, these suits might change because they don't have, they don't really have the theme locked down at all. It's quite abstract at the moment. But say you want to activate like your magnet cards that are down. You play a magnet card from hand, and it can move wounds around from other cards, including on your opponents. So you can use those to shove wounds off yourself or move wounds around on your opponent's cards and each card can take a certain amount of damage equal to its number so like level five cards can take five health level two cards can take two two damage worth and there's all sorts of little combos and abilities in there and i could see immediately after we played i could see different things i could have done to have won because jamie won boo uh, and you can do uh, yeah you say that but it was 20 like 2019 it was very close the score was but yeah so that's fine i i'm gonna say if they, I really enjoyed just how kind of slightly ephemeral, I guess is the only word yeah. I can think of, the, the elemental powers were. If they solidified it a little bit more, I don't know if I'd be as keen on it because I just felt yeah. it's electrical. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's wind power. Cool. It's magnet power. I hated you for moving all the wounds around and killing my guys, but... Yeah, it was good. You know, it was it. It felt nice and abstract enough. Yeah, and it's just, and it seems really compact. Like there's not a lot of cards to it, so it'll probably come out a nice wee box, maybe with some tokens for wins. Uh, we'll see exactly what comes out of that. I think there's still there. It's pretty. T- it felt mechanically really tight right now. I think they're still messing around with some bits and pieces in it. But yeah, it was that was really. Uh, it was a nice surprise of the con. I like to be surprised at conventions. That's why I go to them. So it was a, it was a surprise, and it was really really good. And yeah, we'll bring you more on that as that comes out. We're hoping to get I'm hoping to get a print and play from them when they have it more solidified and get that played a bit more and hopefully get a preview up and running. 
Uh, I also got a demo of Mega City Oceana, which was so, one of the... So, wait, Ian, you're yep. telling me that your favourite standout game of Games Expo is one that's so new, it doesn't even have a name. Basically, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I think the hipster oh. award for, uh, you probably haven't heard of it yet, goes to Ian McAllister. That is, that is achingly hip, and I would have said so hip, one of my games third con as well if I wasn't <laughs> worried about being so achingly hip as well. Yeah. No, it was it was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah, um, it was just a surprise as well, which was really nice. Like it's so there's so much information out there about games now that it's it's sometimes hard to be surprised at cons. Like you sort of you've done your list and you've done your prep and you've sort of figured out what you want to go and see, and to actually find something that you haven't heard of at all is always is always cool. And then to have that actually be good as well is like yeah, this is great. That's one of the that's one of the things that we were talking about actually. I remember. I mean, I've yeah. been going to conventions like this for 20 years, and I, obviously when I first started going, everything was new and it was all fabulous and wonderful, and it was like a kid in a candy store, like, ooh, like literally every stall yeah. was amazing and mind-blowing. And uh, then obviously with the rise of the internet and the popularity of gaming in general, the, the, the amount of news that you're bombarded with was so much that for most of the, that certainly the last decade, you'd go to Expo and you'd kind of already know what you were going to see and it was nice it was it was still good because it was still very nice to be able to go there and actually see stuff yeah. in the in the in the meeple as it were and i think it's got so big now that the last two years it's actually it's now i go there i already know what most of the stuff is but i'm still finding these but i'm now starting to find again these little traders with a new really cool thing that i've never heard of and you think wow that's a fantastic idea yeah what a, what a what a great product yeah, like the the flat pack uh, the flat pack minis you were talking about earlier. The, the flat, flat pack minis. I mean, yeah. last year's standout, Great. which was the big book of battle mats. Yeah, fantastic, lovely product, I mean, and they were back I, this year with more products, with, with a bigger stand, and yeah, they're they're just doing some fantastic stuff. They've got like yeah. they just had a Kickstarter for the dungeon, which is like their sort of square fold out ones that you can tile together to make a bigger dungeon, and yeah, just. Great stuff, really cool, yeah. really really cool. Uh, but yeah, we also, uh, I also managed I managed to screw up a booking for Mega City Oceana, so unfortunately Jamie did not get to play it. That was my fault. Thanks, Ian. But I did actually no, get in okay. a game on Monday morning, uh, and it was probably one of the most hyped games of the show. I think, like sort of in terms of buzz around it and and people wanting to play it. When certainly when I was playing, there was about ten people just standing around watching us play this thing, and it's a little hard to describe, but it's basically a sort of dexterity based kind of city builder so you're sort of pulling plastic bits the core of it is you're pulling plastic bits out of a bag and you're trying to fulfill contracts which are like instructions on how to build take those plastic bits and build little buildings out of them on little hexes so you're building them in a corner of the board so you might have to like build your first floor with an arch in it so you're like building like two 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 strong i realize i'm doing things with my fingers that people are going to be able to see on the podcast uh <laughs> You're really like sort of two, Ian, two strong. master of radio McAllister. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Uh, I know how this works. I haven't been doing it for like a year and a half or anything. That'd be crazy talk. So yeah, you got like I've got like two struts and then a flat bit on top of it to have a little arch on the first floor. Maybe it wants like an arch on the second floor. Various other instructions and also an instruction on how high it has to be and how many pieces I'm allowed to use. And that might be a, an absolute or maybe a minimum or something like that. And sometimes it'll also tell you like not to use certain types of material. So there's three types of material in the bag. There's like glass, concrete, and steel, different colors of tile, basically. And you're just building these little things. Uh, and on your turn, you're building things, you're taking contracts, you're taking hexes to build stuff onto. And then while other people are taking their turn, you're building your little buildings. 
And then when it comes back, when it comes back round to you, you can say to everyone else that you're about to deliver a building, and then you have to push your little building on its little hex into the middle of this map without it falling over, and put it in place. And it scores points based on various different things, like whether it's next to parks and all sorts of things like that. It's a really interesting game, really fun. It's a real t- a real time dexterity city builder. I I hesitate to call it real time, kind of real time. Like it's not like you're not like. Okay. Constant, it's not like you're going against the clock or anything like that. I initially I thought about that description. I I almost called it real time dexterity as well, but it's definitely got a dexterity element, and there is a bit of a sort of time like you might want to try and build faster. So by the time it goes to you, you know you're ready to go. You can put a building out rather than taking uh, rather than taking actions. It's the closest description we can probably think of at at this time. Yeah, I, I think I think real time is not quite right, but yeah, it, it does have a sort of real time element to it. Well, keep a keep a lookout for Mega City Oceana when it comes later this yeah, year, I, I believe. It's, it's not coming to from Hub Games. Yeah, it's not coming to Kickstarter. It's going straight to retail as far as I'm aware. It's basically in manufacturing now. So, I think they're I think they said Gen Con they'll have a few copies and then Essen is the main aim for release and then I'll be in in general retail. So yeah, look out for reviews of that later in the year, and uh, I've got my first impressions of it up on the day three overview. So that, that was really cool. Any other little bits I, and pieces we saw, Jens? I didn't get to play Mega City Oceana, but I did. I did because my um, yeah, I, I I can't really do dexterity games. I have carpal tunnel, and uh, I find fine motor work a little bit too difficult. But yeah. um, it kind of looked like reverse Jenga. It was like you were. <laughs> everybody's turn it looked like they was that bit of when you play jenga where you're just getting the bits out and building the tower yeah and I, I, and that's what it looked like to me so from the outside it it didn't really look like i mean the pieces were very very pretty but it didn't look like uh yeah it, it wasn't very much fun to watch <laughs> a lot of people seem to be watching it before the the moments of like the moments of tension when you're pushing out your little buildings we had we had a good crowd around us by um by yeah. the time our game ended because you're like there are people pushing out buildings that are like three times the size of the ones they started with because they're getting more confident with being able to do it <laughs> uh, yeah it, it was good fun i do th- I, I do worry a little bit about the price point on it because it's got so many nice pieces in there so many nice components that, but it, the game's relatively light, or or, the, or my experience of it is this is only from a first-time demo play, so there might be a, a little bit more to it that I'm seeing. So if it, if it hits too high a price point, that might hurt it, but uh, we'll see while it, it comes out as later in the year. It's certainly very pretty. I mean, the, the components look fantastic. When you actually see three or four of the structures together in the, in the yeah. centre of the board, it does look very pretty, that's definitely true. Any other little things you want to mention, gents, before we sort of wrap up for the, this particular cast? <clears throat> I've thought of two. Sure. One was, I think it's Folded Space. The company oh, yeah. Made, They're cool. makes box inserts. I do like that. It inserts out of, um, what do they call it, foam board. Yeah. So instead of being, like MDF bo- uh, box inserts are fantastic for organization, but they have two, maybe three really big problems. The first, most obvious one is they're pretty expensive. The second is that they are quite heavy and they tend to substantially increase the mass of the box. Yeah, I've doubled the weight of my Gloomhaven box. Yeah, well, and that box weighs Ooh. enough already, right? Yeah. So, um, so it avoids both of those. And it also avoids the magic problem that you get with MDF, which is the very distinctive smell. Yeah, uh, laser, laser cut MDF has a very distinctive smell, which um, you you want past the TT combat stall at a Games Expo, and it's just yeah. like mm, laser cut MDF. 
Love the smell of laser cut MDF in the morning. What a wonderful smell. Indeed. And what was the, what was the other one you thought of, Rich? Uh, the other thing was the demos of the Citadel contrast paints. Oh, yeah. So uh, for anyone who, who doesn't know, this is, this is Games Workshop's new range of paints that's coming out, which is where they, they, they basically started manufacturing um, something that's a cross between what most painters would think of as a glaze and a wash. The idea being that because of its consistency, it will pull where it's needed and not where it's not. So you'll end up with one coat that can that can do sort of your base color highlights and shade all in one coat to save a lot of time when you're painting large numbers of miniatures it's not a new this isn't a new way of painting this is something that's been around for ages but it's the first time anyone's actually made paint specifically marketed with this in mind it works it's fine i am not a particularly good painter but i was able to get reasonable results with one coat on one of their plastic demo marines um cool it, yeah, I think uh, anyone yeah, yeah, who I saw the one you painted might, and it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, I think I think this might be a good place to start for anyone who's thinking about painting some of the miniatures in some of the games they've got. Mm, yeah, um, but doesn't really want to spend hours and hours learning how to be very good at it. Um, you can get a decent result with basically no talent, as evidenced by the. Fact I'm that interested. I yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, if, as long as you can paint relatively neat, you know, and not splodge stuff all over the place. Um, that's really all the skill it requires because it will I'm settle. <laughs> it will settle into the, the. It's designed to settle the pigment into recesses to give the dark, the areas that should be darker, a darker look, and to bleed away from the edges so, so, slightly. So it means that the edges that you would normally paint an edge highlight with a, a lighter color do yeah. actually have a lighter hue to them. So yeah, very impressed. Looking forward cool. to that. I think they go up for pre-order next week. Yeah, yeah, there. So, I think it's uh, next week they hit pre-order, yeah. and the week after they hit stores or something like all yeah. that. Look. Yeah, so cool. very soon. One last thing from you, Jamie. One last thing. I will throw my hat into the ring and say uh, the game that you and I played, Ian, from Genius Games, which is a company that makes science-based edutainment games, but not in the slightly rubbish, very moralizing educational entertainment games these games are actually quite fun and you do come away going oh that was i I learned something that was very interesting genius games was demoing their new game periodic a game about the periodic table of elements we got a demo of periodic from the game's designer and the genius Games ceo john kavayu kavayu something like that (laughs) john kavayu and in periodic you're moving about the periodic table of elements through a very nifty movement phase using uh, a resource of some kind of energy and moving through either increasing or decreasing atomic number, increasing or decreasing, I think it was atomic shell size and involving ionic mass. Basically moving left and right, diagonally down right, diagonally down left, diagonally up right, and diagonally up left. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sort table. of efficiency game, basically. Sort of like trying to sort of find your way quickest around the board to certain points on the board to to fill basically orders at the top of it uh, for different um, elemental sort of compounds. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. It was really good. I've, I've played a couple of their other games that are actually quite interesting. A little deck builder that's about making at, uh, molecules out of um, different sort of protons and neutrons and that kind of, kind of thing. It's really good. It's yes, all right. And I backed their 
worker placement game about cell biology called Cytosis. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. Yeah, they're really good. So yeah, I would definitely like if you got certainly if you got kids and if or if you're into if you're in education anyway for them, those games are actually worth checking out for maybe using the classroom as well. Also, I'd like to say something very quickly to chemists, physicists, biologists who are listening because I hope you are and might be interested in this. They're very good games, but I know they've had to change some actual elements of it to make it more game, like make it more of a game. Less science, Please more don't game. complain. <clears throat> That please don't complain that the game doesn't exactly mirror the elements of how yeah. how proteins are made in cells and then they're transferred outside the cell wall. There's still got to be a game in there and it's still got to be fun. Yeah. It does a pretty good job. Yeah, fair enough. Right, I think that's about all we have time for, gents. Thank you very much, Rich, for coming on and telling us all your stuff about Expo. It's lovely to be here, as ever. It was lovely to see you again, sir. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be seeing you at next year's expo, if not before. Probably, yes. probably Dragon Meat. Can I probably can I, Dragon Meat before can I have that? One sh- oh, possibly. Can I have one very short story just before we head be very off? short because we're running over time. It, it, it is. It is very very short. I came back. Obviously, came back yesterday. We're recording this on um, Monday, the third of June. I came back. You know, having played Watch This Guys, having a weekend of playing board games, really enjoyed myself. And I came back to work today. And almost one of the first things I did was I got beaten at double by a six-year-old. Well, you're fired then, really, aren't you? Glad to see glad to see things are back to normal. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jens. That's all we have time for. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>